What's up, Magic fans? This is Mackenzie Thurkill of the Orlando Magic, and you're listening to the Penny for Your Thoughts podcast from my favorite guys across the pond at Orlando Magic UK. Now it's over to Geraint, Mikey, and Paul. Go Magic! What's up, Magic fans? Welcome to Orlando Magic UK's weekly podcast, Penny for Your Thoughts. This is episode 66 on the 7th of January 2022. Uh, As always, I'm joined by two very special people who are having their birthdays this week. So, uh, first of all, guys, tell us how old you're going to be and when your birthdays are. Mikey? I'm going to be 22... (laughs) (laughs) My birthday is on Wednesday, the 12th, if anybody wants to wish me a happy birthday. (laughs) And how how many years' experience of being 22 have you got? (laughs) 35 of them. I was actually, gee, when you started the podcast, I was waiting for you to go, this is, this is Garrett speaking, over. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm yeah. Let's not go there. Let's not go there. Previous episode. I know. And Paul, you celebrate your birthday on Sunday. Sunday. Yeah. Sunday, mate. So um has there ever been a have we have we had a number fifty-four? Should I get a shirt of his? Horace Grant. Horace Grant. Jason (laughs) Maxwell. There you go, mate. There you go. Fifty-four. That's me. Nice, fifty-four nice. years old. And how many? And how many years of fifty-four years of experience have you? Had? <laughs> <laughs> hey, none. Because I'm looking forward to being fifty-five because of my pension. <laughs> <laughs> my my my, reti- my police pension becomes indexed LinkedIn at the age of fifty-five. So uh, I I gained some extra money. So I'm quite happy to be moving on to the towards fifty-five. Fair play, thinking of the Fair coin. play, mate. <laughs> good stuff. You both had good weeks. Yes, mate. Been nice. Apart from today's been a bit of a tester because I've been uh, doing COVID tests at, uh, at our local school where I uh, do some work. And that's been a, a full on day. Absolute chaos, in fact. Yeah. Well, fair play to you. Well done. And how's your week right. been, G? It's been all right. And do you know what? I don't really like New Year's. Oh, um, you miserable so and so! No, it, it's sick. It signals <laughs> the end of Christmas, and all the Christmas decorations come down, and I, I just don't like it. And it's going back to work after it, isn't it? But, but no, it's all right. The week's over now. It's a Friday night, so uh, let's have a few beers. And uh, how relax. can you not like New Year? A man who loves a beer. New Year is made for that. That's it. that's what me, people do. Me, every night, every, every night, night yeah. <laughs> <laughs> every night's New Year for you. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, right, your, we've, got, we've your, got a lot to go on. What's, what's your New Year's resolution this year, G? Is it to Wait, get blocked by the NBA holiday. officials' account again? Maybe. I'm all right to get that one at the minute. <laughs> as, as I've got the Boston game to review, I think it's me who's in danger. <laughs> <laughs> well, as you've alluded to there, we've got a lot to get through and a lot to discuss. So um, can we just uh, do a, a weekly recap of the Magic News? So um, following the completion of his or their second second 10-day contracts, Admiral Schofield has been signed to a two-way contract Making way for him is um, Michael Mulder, who has been released, uh, leaving Schofield and Brzezikis as our two-way players. 
Um, the Magic got Terence Ross, Mo Bamba, Prestikis, and Gravit back against Boston on Sunday. Uh, we also saw this week Cole Anthony and Chuma Okiki return to the lineup for the welcome of the Philadelphia 76ers on Wednesday night. Um, and the injury list remains unchanged uh, with Michael Carter, Williams, Mark L. Fultz, Jonathan Isaac, Etwan Moore, and Jalen Suggs still out. Um, one other thing to mention the Magic's cancelled game from the 20th of December due to COVID with the Toronto Raptors, has been rescheduled to Friday the 4th of March with a 7.30 tip-off in Toronto. So, right. So this is now headed. Game recaps and ref raps. So we'll open this can there's of worms. There's up, a few shall games we? that this ref ramp applies to this week. Oh, yes, it does. I was a bit concerned the ref ramp might take up the whole podcast, but um, we've got to try and limit it a little bit, haven't we? So... Um, so, uh, since our last episode, then the Magic lost the Bucks, 136 118. Uh, the Magic led at the 344 mark of the third quarter on an Admiral Schofield shot. The Bucks then got hot as the Magic couldn't keep pace with the NBA champs. Uh, the Magic were led by Franz Wagner with 20. Mo Wagner scored 19. Uh, just lucky we don't have to play Milwaukee again, I guess. Um, Mikey, what did you think of the game? I thought we, I thought we fought really hard. Um, obviously we took the lead in the third we just couldn't sustain that intensity and, and the level of play that the Bucks were playing with and it always felt like they had that extra gear or two that they could just switch up to um, but I, I think the game really was I mean we got killed on the boards I think it was 50 to 33 14 offensive rebounds for the Bucks 24 second chance points I mean that that killed any sort of momentum uh, we, we were getting a few stops we just couldn't secure the rebound and and, and get out and and get buckets the other end um, like I said it, it just felt like the Bucks were playing in second or third gear and they could just turn it on when they wanted really um, and, and and even things like like Mo Wagner had 19 but he was one of eight from the three uh, from the three point line and you just felt there was there was key points especially in the third where if he could have knocked a couple of those threes down, it might have been a very different game heading into the fourth quarter. But we went through that stretch where we struggled scoring and, and the Bucks took took full advantage of that in the end. So, um, yeah, we, we couldn't stop the bleeding towards the end. Um, we got good looks, but shots weren't falling and we couldn't get stops. Yeah, you got to commend the fact that they're competing with, you know, with half yep. a roster, really. Yeah. Uh, against defending champs and hung, hanging around for three and a half quarters. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, as um, Cole's father keeps saying, you know, we're, we're playing good basketball. We just need to maintain it for 48 minutes, don't we? Um, I think it was, so, uh, was it Drew Holiday. I think Drew Holiday yeah. said um, that you just can't ignore them. They just keep coming. Yeah. He he was yeah. complimentary, as, as yeah. most of the opponents we've played this week have been. Yeah, I was just about to say. I was just about to say, but we'll, we'll get to the other opponents now. So um, on Sunday, the Orlando Magic lost to the Boston Celtics and the NBA officials, 116 to 111 in overtime. Um, was the fact the Magic controlled much of the game, um, as we've done quite often with Boston this season. You know, you think back to the exhibition, etc. Um, only you know the the G League has lost the last five minutes of the, the one preseason game, and then we won the other one. Um, 
Magic controlled much of the game, as I mentioned. Uh, getting great contributions. Terence Ross with 33 points. Uh, Gary Harris chipped in with 23. And Wendell Carter Jr. managed 15 points and 16 rebounds. Uh, a 35-23rd quarter uh, gave us the lead and control, but the Celtics closed regulation with an 18-4 run to tie the game. Um, some very, very questionable officiating down the stretch from Tyler Ford and his crew, um, especially on that Wendell Carter hack. Um, I'll let Paul get into that in a second. And I even watched this back, right? I watched, I listened to the Celtics commentators and we know how bad the Celtics commentators are. And they said, there's no way that's going to be overturned. They said that. Um, so anyway, eventually the Magic would succumb 116-111 with Jalen Brown getting his first 50-point night. Mr. Bacon, the floor is yours. Well, let's start with uh, how embarrassing Mr. Dennis Schroeder was with his uh, feigning of a uh, elbow to the face. That was ridiculous. And he earned free throws all night. Um, earned with speech marks and whatever all around it. Ridiculous. Um, I also thought Grant Williams flop on the, was it a uh, offensive foul call uh, where Wendell was, I think it was Wendell going through to the basket. That was another one where he just decided that uh, being vertical was uh, less preferential to being horizontal. Um, it was ridiculous. Some and, and, the, and the officials fell for it constantly throughout the game. You've already mentioned, G, about the um, the challenge, how that could ever be turned over. I thought it had to be clear evidence that there was a mistake. Well, for me, and I think for the... Uh, this, I'm going to say this, Dante calls the game like a fan. Yeah. He, he, he comes in and he calls the game like a fan. Um, if he thinks that the officials aren't doing the job, he comes out and says it, and he was saying it all night. Uh, there was no way that that could be overturned and I don't understand how it ever was. It, I'm not going to say it changed the dynamic of the game, but it definitely hurt us by giving... We've got a six-point lead. We would have had two shots, which we should have had. It gave them possession um, and th from that possession, they immediately scored, pulled it back to four. Um, shortly after, Franz unfortunately missed two free throws which definitely hurt us. Um, but I just did not expect to be watching um, overtime. We were we had such a good run. Uh, you've already alluded to the basketball that uh, Gary Harris and Terence Ross were playing. I just didn't expect to see overtime. Uh, once we did, I've, the other thing I've got to ask about, as far as the referent goes, the continuation that uh, Jalen Brown shot. He don't, he hadn't, he'd not gathered the ball because, at that point. It was, there were so many decisions, but that one yeah. that was another glaring mistake. Like um, I said, well, that, that, the, the Wendell one was pivotal, wasn't it? Because that got the crowd into yeah. it when they cut it to four. Yeah. Um, no, mad. But bear in mind, I was watching it two, three days late because mm. I, I had, the reason I've been quiet on on the internet or anything this week on any of the, any of the social media side of things is that I've had no internet. Thank you, Virgin. Um, uh, watching it, I, I didn't know the result 
I've I've deliberately avoided going on my phone um, using data to look at stuff. So I watched the game as live and was told by Mrs. Bacon to sit down and calm down and stop swearing because I was upsetting the dog. Um, It was just, it was one of those games I was stood up and swearing at the TV. Um, There was a liberal use of a, of a four letter word on a regular basis during that game. Um, Uh, But you know what, by the close, we came so close. Uh, The T Ross four play, four point play, not four play. It's completely <laughs> different. It's a family <laughs> show, Paul. <laughs> the T Ross four point play, um, where that was followed up by a, um, Wendell blocking Josh Richardson, and then he split a pair of free throws. We were one point down with just uh, the Ross shot came with a minute to play uh, in in the overtime we came so so close and that is where I believe that the officials had a pivotal role in the result not only that though even, even the um, yeah no no superb effort by the team but the even the the timeout at the end yeah how do we know the ball Look, the assistants and the, and the whole bench were shouting time out and they didn't acknowledge it. I'm sorry, but you've got one job and, and they failed to do it on a number of occasions. And that's not the that's not the only example from the week. You look at the Miami game against Portland. Um, you can look at that little wee Tyler Hero pushing Yusuf Nurkic and, and have a laugh. But Kyle Lowry, whilst we don't like him, he threw the he passed the ball to an official, got his second technical and got thrown out the game. People pay money to watch these professionals and these officials, I'm sorry, they're not, I don't know, they can't do their jobs. They just can't do their jobs. Somebody did post the, the supposed, I don't know, I've not looked, but supposedly the rule of passing the ball back to the referee and it's supposed to be either a bounce pass or handed directly to the person. But how often do you see the ball just thrown casually? Yeah, it's thrown casually to to the referee. And yeah, as much as I dislike the fat flopper, yeah, it was undeserved on that one. I will but say this. Hero. I will say this on the Boston game though. And like I'm not even, I, there's no point in echoing what Paul's already said because we were all our reactions were all the same watching that game, but we blew a twelve point lead and it doesn't matter yeah. how bad the officiating was, you have to find a way to win that game. So Yeah. Although there was pivotal moments that went against us, we still had a chance to win that. But it is what it is. We've got to learn from it. Can't let the officials. Hey, we've we've said this before, dictate. haven't we? In in losses, whatever the circumstances, there are learning lessons, and that's what this season is all about. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. Right, let's move on from Boston. So we then faced the Chicago Bulls on a second night of a back-to-back. And in fairness, the team reacted very well uh, given the night previously. We lost the game 102-98. to uh, The Magic led early, but Chicago took a five-point lead into the half. We hung around, but didn't have enough in the end to get us over the line. We led by Franz Wagner once more with 22. Wendell Carter Jr. with 21-10. and 10. And Gary Harris chipped in with 19. So before I get, I, I'm going to ask Mikey about his thoughts here, but we just want to pick up on Gary Harris. 
right? I think we all owe him an apology because this last 15, 16, 17 games, he's been magnificent, shooting the ball well, scoring, defending, and he looks happy and a, you know, a good teammate. So before Mikey gets to this game, would you trade him now that his value's risen or do you possibly bring him back you know, to a team-friendly deal in the off-season? Paul? I'd keep him. But then again, and this isn't me blowing my own trumpet, Mikey and I were just talking about this the other day. When we, ha- when we traded Aaron Gordon for Gary Harris and RJ, I was excited at just getting Gary Harris. I like Gary Harris. Um, and I said at that time, he's a good shooter. Unfortunately, it's taken a time for him to settle into the role, find his form again, whatever the reason has been. Um, but he has. He has. And I think he looks happy, as you've said. I would keep the guy. I like him. His defensive effort is superb every game. So, yeah, I would keep him. Yeah. Exactly the same, mate. Yeah, exactly the same. Um, I, I don't think we'll keep him, but he's the sort of veteran that you want in and around, in and amongst this group. Um, especially when you're going to have, likely next season, you're going to have Fultz, Cole and Suggs. You're going to want somebody like Harris to sit in there and and play the veteran role next to those guys playing at the guard position. So, yeah, that, if we can bring him back on it, like I said, on a on a deal that suits the magic and that's reasonable, then uh, I, I don't know what that number is, but I don't know. What, what would you reckon? Close to the it, 15 million mark, I, I would imagine, for a guy who's a legit well, starting he's on, two he's guard. On, he's on 20 million at the moment, which is far more than I'd pay him. I, I'd probably go 12 tops but myself. I, I see, I, th- I think he's underselling himself at 12. Yeah. You've got to you've got to add in besides the ability to score, which he does have and has always had. He just hasn't been doing it up until the last twenty games. Um, he's always had a defensive ability, and possibly more of value to the team is his experience, because we are a young team. You've got to have somebody around who gels well with the people that you've got. And it would appear that he has a good relationship with a lot of the young guys. So there's a there's more inner value to the player than just what he produces on the court. And he's only why, twenty-seven. Why do, the heat keep, why do the Heat keep Haslam around? Yeah, exactly. They don't pay him much, though, do they? Doesn't matter, but they're still paying him and still taking up a, a position. Yeah, um, because of what he still offers to the coaching side of things, he brings in something for that team. And as little as I, I'm not a great Heat fan by any stretch of the imagination, but he brings something, and he and that's okay. I, I agree entirely. G, we're not talking about the same amount of money, but if Gary Harris can provide us with some veteran leadership and experience for the young guys, then it's worth paying. And I think, yeah, I'm, I'm with Mikey. Sort of the 15 million mark I'm happy with. And he's I mean, the only 27 posed, as well. Yeah. The question's been yeah, posed this week by quite a few people as to what do the Magic need to do in the uh, trade window? It, 
do we actually need to do anything? There's a question yeah, I've got because we've we've not seen this group that we've got together. So do we actually need to move on from the experience of Gary Harris and Terence Ross? Um, do do we need to bring anybody else in because we haven't seen what this core group that we've got can do together? Mm. And you yeah. make a good point there. And, and before we get to the Philly, you know, Mike will just recap the Bulls game in a second, but the Philly game, we got a lot more people back. And we yeah. saw the 10-day contracts in the G League as not get as many minutes. And you could see, I'm not saying stacked, but we had a lot more talent available and we were a lot more consistent. So anyway, Mikey, you, you take the Bulls game before we, we can move on to Philly. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's, we, we've played with, with good effort for the last several weeks, haven't we? In a lot of games, we've competed hard. The Bulls game was no different. And, and when you consider... I think we had 11 players out and four of the players that were in the rotation were 10-day contracts um, going up against a, pretty much a full-strength full balls team that were only really missing Alex Caruso and Patrick Williams of any real note. I mean, we pushed them right down to, to the last few seconds, didn't we? Um, solid nights, Wendell, Franz, Gary Harris again. Um, the Magic did... I thought a really good job of keeping them out of the paint, forcing them into to mid-range and, and threes. Um, I, I think really, if you look at the box score and you look at the summary, like the, there wasn't really a lot in it. Like the shooting percentages were very similar. The only sort of areas where we probably got edged out a little bit was second chance points, just failing to capitalise and, and grab those defensive rebounds, a bit like the Bucks game. Um, it was it was one of those games. It was the little differences that made the big difference in the final score in the end. Um, and we never really had an answer for Demar Rosen. And then Zach Levine got going in the second half, and uh, we couldn't match that. But uh, Cole didn't play in that game, did he? Um, no, he came back and, against and, uh, Philly. Um, and and he just felt like maybe that was the sort of game that Cole could have gave us that little bit of a lift and. Look, we're going up against one of the best teams in the East and we pushed them right down to the wire. So, uh, look. In their building as well. In their building on the second night of a back-to-back. So, um, yeah, Yeah. you can't argue with the effort. It's there. No, no. It just shows how good a job uh, Coach Mosley and the staff are doing Mm -hmm. as well, you know, getting them prepared. Um, So, the last game of last week, just to quickly recap... Uh, we lost 116-106 to the Philadelphia 76ers at home. Uh, Magic competitive throughout, but only fell away towards the end. Hampered by turnovers uh, and committing too many fouls. Something that was mentioned in Paul's previews. So I hope that the Magic do read Paul's previews because there's a good <laughs> few pointers in there. Um, Paul Anthony coming back, led the way with 26 too kind, points. Too kind, but I'm sure they've got better coaching than I can offer. <laughs> and Mo Bamba, Bamba chipped in with a season-high 19 points. Paul? Yes, mate. Um, I was overall really happy with the performance. I've got to be honest, I got really excited on seeing the starters and uh, completely messed up my magic moments as a result. Um, you know, I went with five yeses and uh, probably shouldn't have done but there we go <laughs> at least you did uh, it Paul I, I, I forgot twice this week <laughs> <laughs> but how good was it to see 
Cole Anthony, Gary Harris, Franz Wagner, Wendell Carter Jr. and Mo Bamba back as our starting five, a five that we've had play really well in the early, earlier part of the season after Jalen went down. When that starting unit became the starting unit, they carried on um, being an effective, powerful um, group that ranked well in the NBA. Uh, it was great to see them back. Um, the only significant contribution, unfortunately, from the bench was Terence Ross. After that, the bench killed us. Um, I think it was... It, I did say when, we, when, when I was watching the game to my wife that it's a real shame that Tuma had to miss uh, a few games those 10 days with uh, COVID protocols because he just started to get back into his offensive rhythm and it's broken that up again. And you could see there was rust there. Um, unlike Cole, who came back, what's he missed? Eight of the last nine came back and fires in 26 points and seven assists. The guy was on fire. Absolute talent. Um, yeah, it was the the turnovers and unnecessary fouls um, killed us, unfortunately, in that game. Uh, Andre Drummond coming on and adding a dozen from the bench wasn't that helpful either. And you look at um, 20 points or more from Seth Curry, Tobias Harris and Furkan Korkmaz. Um, they they came out and scored. They came out and scored. That if we're going to carry on with Referan, there was a lot of soft contact on Joel Embiid in particular all night. Um, was there even we contact? Then saw, well, the, uh, let's be polite and call it soft contact. <laughs> but yeah, I'm with you, Mikey. But that's all. When El Carter Jr. foul out, it saw Mo Bamba in foul trouble and uh, Freddie Gillespie as well. All three players who were having to guard him were hampered by the foul trouble. Um, that was the game as well where we lost Cole for a period of time and we also lost Franz um, where they both went with uh, ankle injuries. And I have to be honest, I think that really affected our flow and rhythm in the game and I wonder how if it would have been a different result had that not happened but very nice comments from Doc Rivers but uh, Jamal Mosley after the game as well I don't know yeah. if you've seen those where he says um, that this team just don't give up you think you've got them you think they're out of it and then they just keep coming and fighting that's great coaching really nice comments really nice comments guys class yeah no. One Brilliant. one thing I mentioned to you, one thing I mentioned to you, Paul, didn't I? As well, we di we didn't have Robin Lopez for that game, and and mm. I felt like that that was a key thing. If we if we had Lopez, because I think Bamba and Wendell both got in foul trouble and struggled really staying stuff. out of it, didn't they? And they yeah. really struggled with that physicality that Embiid and Drummond both play with. And if you had Lopez out there with that a bit of experience, you might have been able to help sort of soften that blow because Gillespie come in and played the five at times didn't he and he, he just got bullied quite honestly are we going to are we going to have a moan about uh, the MVP chance in the Amway for, for Embiid do it <laughs> and, and our own players getting Franz getting booed when he's taking free throws it was like it was an away game Step up. Yeah. I know it's hard when we're losing, but step up. Show some passion. Yeah, I second that. 
Exactly. Uh, one thing just to add, the NBA All-Star vote uh, ballot was returned yesterday. Uh, none of the magic featured in the guards or the forwards. So if you can um, retweet Orlando Magic UK's tweet, uh, we put a, a tweet out for Cole, for France, for Wendell. Just click it, retweet it, give them an extra vote. Um, it all helps, um, whilst they probably won't get there. I just want to support the team and the boys. So, um, Right, uh, shameless plug time. So please support today's episode and visit official NBA store EU and Fnatic using our affiliate links in the description of the podcast. Shop the latest NBA gear and Orlando Magic merchandise, including jerseys, shorts and T-shirts available with international delivery. Use our discount code MAGICUK10 at the checkout for 10% off your order. Please note some exclusions do apply. Uh, you can also find the links on our website, orlandomagicuk.com. Right, so we move on to our guest section this week now, where we are delighted to be joined by a very special guest, Orlando Magic fan and basketball commentator, Josh Bett. How are you, Josh? Uh, it's Friday. Uh, I'm looking forward to some basketball this weekend. And uh, yeah, that's about it. That's how I spend my weekends, my, my <laughs> my unfortunate wife has to deal with me on that one. So no, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate this a lot. Uh, you're welcome, mate. You're welcome. So so just so every everybody knows, Josh works as a, a freelance basketball commentator covering games for the Basketball Champions League and other international basketball tournaments. Uh, he's been around the game of basketball from a very young age with his father, uh, former BBL coach of the year in 92-93 and 93-94 with the Thames Valley Tigers, uh, head coach Mick Bett. Um, I'm sure he's been encouraging you over the years uh, to follow your dreams and love of the basket basketball. Um, so let me kick it off. Um, tell us about your love of basketball, your dad's coaching, and your magic fandom, mate. Sorry, can you repeat that question again? It just broke up there. Sorry. Yeah, no, that's fine, mate. So tell us about your love of basketball, your dad's coaching and your magic fandom and how did it all begin? So, as you mentioned, I was born in 1990 and my, my pops was a coach at the top league of British basketball at the time for Thames Valley Tigers. So I, I was a, I grew into a basketball family. We, we just had basketball all over at home. You know, it was posters, jerseys, everything. You know, football didn't really exist in my house and that's kind of how an English person like me got into basketball. Um, in terms of the old man, I used to follow him to all his practices and he was a head coach up until 97. And then his last three, five years in the BBL, he was an assistant coach for another team called the London Towers and then went back to be an assistant from the previous team that he'd been a head coach for. Um, regarding Orlando Magic, it's interesting because, you know, when you're growing up in the 90s as a kid, the only thing you're going to know about basketball is Michael Jordan. The Bulls were just the most... As, as you've seen in the last dance, living through that time as a kid, I wasn't really aware of too much what was going on, but Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen, 23 and 33 were everywhere. Video games on Sega Mega Drive, posters, the Pontel basketball tapes that uh, we used to have at home. But, you know, on top of that, at that time, around 95, 96, I was five, six years old. We used to also have a lot of team uh, games of, on tape of this team called the Orlando Magic. And my dad was very big on this player called Penny Hardaway. So I remember watching a lot of games with him of the Magic. And I think it was on my sixth birthday. He got me a T-shirt. It was the black 
Orlando Magic t-shirt number 32 and it had O'Neal on the back. So I'm thinking like, wow, finally some basketball clothes fits me. And I'm wearing it like pretty much anytime I go to basketball games. And I remember him teasing me that summer. And he says, oh, by the way, uh, Shaq doesn't play for the Magic anymore. I said, well, who's he play for? So he shows me the Lakers top and I'm like, oh, yellow and purple. I don't think I want that. No, I'll, I'll <laughs> stick with the, uh, I'll stick with the blue and white. So, and then what was interesting was in, in the summer of 99, um, I asked him like, you know, I'd like to have a basketball jersey because that was only a t-shirt, the, the O'Neill one. So he gets me a Penny Hardaway jersey. I, I loved it right away. I've got a picture of me in it. And same thing again, that summer, he teases me one more time. He's like, oh, oh, sorry. Let me turn my light on real quick. <laughs> he teases me and says that, um, that Penny has gone to the Phoenix Suns. And yeah, again, he shows me a Phoenix Suns jersey and I'm looking purple, orange. Nah, it's not going for me. So really, that, that's kind of how I became a Magic fan. But from the year 2000, uh, 2000, summer 2001, we traveled to Florida that summer. And, you know, we stayed in Orlando. We stayed the holiday year. We went to all the theme parks. But, you know, in the summertime, you know, we weren't able to watch any basketball. But I just fell in love with Orlando that summer. So I put two and two together. And in that year, going back to the UK, um, we had something at home called an American TV station. Because my dad, when he, when he stopped coaching basketball, he became a teacher at an American school. So we had access to American television. And that was Tracy McGrady years playing at the Orlando Magic with Bo Outlaw, Daryl Armstrong, Pat Garrity. And I just, for me, T-Mac was my player. And that was when I really signed on to becoming a Magic player. If I could think about my favorite game for the Orlando Magic, it's got to be game one of the 2003 NBA playoffs when they beat the Pistons. I think it was 99 to... 94. 94. It was at Auburn Hills. Yeah. But T Mac had something like 45 points. It was ridiculous. But that's, I mean, T Mac's probably the biggest reason I became a Magic fan. That's awesome. That's awesome. And you've got a very bad Christmas present this year. I just got to throw this in there. <laughs> is it, is it in the same um, <laughs> So I've given that away, actually. I, I, credit to the Orlando Magic for making fun of me for that. But um, so. For me, I, I always collect NBA stuff. I've always, since I was a kid, I've got, I think I've got everything of every, every, every team of something in my wardrobe at home. But obviously the magic dominates. I've got a lot of magic stuff, even stuff I haven't even worn. But my brother, me and him have a little bit of a rivalry. He's a point guard at the University of Queens in Canada. He, um, he teases me and says, oh, by the way, I've got you this new magic hoodie. And I'm like, oh, great, fine. I opened up the bloody thing. It's a Lakers top. Something. So we, 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 we had a little bet that night. We played a game of cards and he said, look, if, 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 um, if I won, he, he had to do something, but you know, I said, okay, so what do I have to do if I lose? He says, well, if you lose, you have to take a picture of that and put it on your Twitter. I thought, do I really want to do this? But in the end, I lost. I had to, I had to keep to my word. And yeah, that, that was not a great present. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> man. Absolutely. So, oh, Josh, you've been a you've been a Magic fan for a long, long time. Um, like you said, you've got your Penny Hardaway jersey. I think you posted a, a tweet on that the other day, didn't you? When you were really young, rocking that. Um, can you give us our all time Magic starting five? Like, what's your Ooh. favorite favorite five? Coach and sixth man. Well, let's start with the coach, Brian Hill. It's got to be Brian Hill. Um, I have to go with Brian Hill because that was the first coach after Matty Gukas to get him to the finals in 95. And look, mm -hmm. any coach who has to take on a, a young Shaquille O'Neal with a young Penny Hardaway and get them to connect and beat Michael Jordan in 95, 
you know, you could go with Van Gundy as well, but, you know, Brian Hill's got to be my coach. Point guard and center, that's easy. You, you got to go Penny and you got to go Shaq. Look, I love Dwight Howard, but Dwight Howard, as great as he was, he wasn't Shaquille O'Neal. So no. that's set in stone. Uh, this is tough. I got to go Nick Anderson for shooting guard because, you know, the crazy thing about Nick Anderson was I feel like he's one of the most underrated players in the history of the NBA. He's always going to be remembered for the free throws, you know, and I think that's become a meme these days. You, you, you know, you got Nick Anderson or, you know, and I, I think the night that Shaquille O'Neal ripped down the backboard at New Jersey, I think it was 93 or I don't remember what year it was, just after he ripped it down at Phoenix, Anderson had something like 50-yard points. And I remember... Off the bench as well. Off the bench, yeah, exactly, yeah. I remember, like, my dad and me were having this argument. It was actually my dad who said to me how great Nick, Nick Anderson was because I think probably in my grade six or grade seven, we were looking back, watching the Rockets games, and I felt like, how bad is Nick Anderson to miss those free throws? And my old man put me right in my place and said, whoa, that guy's one of the best scorers that the Magic have ever had. And, you know, looking back at his stats, even when he went to Sacramento Kings in the early 2000s, I still thought he was great. So he's got to be my shooting guard. This is where it gets tricky for small forward and power forward because there's so many people you could go for for these positions. But and I know a lot of people disagree with me on this, but I'm, I'm a huge fan of international basketball. I got to go Hedo Turkoglu for power forward. Yeah. For me, Hedo, I just think that, you know, he came to us at his prime when he'd been for so many years with the Kings and, you know, a season with the Spurs. And I felt, okay, it was a mismatch against Kobe, but I felt he defended Kobe probably as best as he could in that 2009 finals. Small forward, although he was injured quite a lot, I'd have to go probably, this is tough. This is tough. I want to say hypothetically, but i got to go Grant Hill on this one. For me, it just has to be because Dennis Scott possibly, i got to go Grant Hill. Grant Hill for me. because he, Not because he had such a great time at the Magic, but just because he was just such a great player. You know, and he was one of my favorite players. So, and I know a lot of people are going to give me stick for that, but I, I got to go because I feel with Grant Hill that had he been healthy with T Mac, that team easily could have been a contender with the New Jersey Nets in the early 2000s. Yeah. Yeah. And you six man, mate. First off the bench. If I had to bring somebody off the bench, Magic, I got to go. This is tough. I want to go Rashad Lewis. Nice. Okay. Nice yeah. pick. Nice pick. So, hey, you've just said you are a big advocate of European basketball. Who are the teams that you look forward to seeing, the players that you look forward to? And are there any ex-Magic players that you get to see, you look forward to seeing and interact with? I haven't actually interacted with any ex-Magic players. Um, so, along with my commentary, I run the BCL podcast for the Basketball Champions League. And I recently did an interview with Chris Johnson and Hapoel Hulon, who um, it's an Israeli team. And he played for the Jazz, the Grizz, I think, not, maybe not the Grizzlies, but the, the Sixers and the Celtics. But um, like I said, I haven't come across many mag uh, Magic teams. In terms of how many international teams I like, I mean, I, I must be very impartial as much as possible because of, yep. because of the, the work I do. But, you know, for me, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm such an obsessed fan of the game of basketball. You know, I, you know I've, I have the privilege and I'm, I'm very honored to be able to do the work I do. That's commentating games in Japan, the basketball champs league. And so I just love basketball. It could be BBL, British basketball league. It could be 
it could be Indonesian basketball. I, I just love it so much. I, I love watching basketball all over the world. And it's tough. I mean, look, DeAndre Liggins played for the Lions last year. He's an ex-Magic player, but mm. it's... Uh, Give me any basketball, I'll watch it. That's how obsessed I am. You know? Yeah, cool. So, mate, one of the things I really dislike is how American sports call their national champions world champions. Gets my goat all the while. But do you feel that there are any European teams that could effectively compete with any of the against the NBA? Um, and how do you think the Magic would fare against some of the best in Europe? You've got to look at the Olympics for this because... You have to remember the NBA, when people say that the NBA is different from the European or the international game, it's it's very true because in the NBA, you you have the you have the illegal defensive three seconds. You don't have that in international basketball. Yeah. So if you look at, I mean, I was watching the Dream Team in 92 play. And it's funny because if, if there was ever a time when Michael Jordan used to do that back down spin out from the 45 degree angle, 15 feet from the basket. It was more so them because you see all the teams they play against, whether it's Croatia, Lithuania, whoever, they're just clogging the lane. You can't do that in the NBA. So I think, you know, when when international teams play NBA teams, NBA rules, I'll go with the NBA team because they know how to play that style. Spread yep. the floor, you know, very run offenses that end up for a one-on-one situation for your go-to player. But if it's an NBA team playing an international rules with, against an international team, as we saw with the French national team and the Olympic basketball team this summer at the Olympics, it's anyone's ball game at that because then it almost becomes a game of minds and X's and O's. You know, you watch the Spanish national team. They set like four pick and rolls in one offense. They even have their own pick and roll called the Spanish pick and roll. And I think it really depends on your personality. I mean, if the Magic were to play some of the top European basketball teams at European with international FIBA rules, that would be interesting. I wouldn't say that either would win or lose, but it would be interesting to see how Cole Anthony would would play in a international atmosphere with you know very passionate fans and you know playing with much different big against different bigs and different guards. It would be I'd be intrigued to watch it. That's for sure. I, I definitely think that'd be fun to watch. Quality, Sounds quality. Good. So, Josh, in all years of uh, watching basketball, commentating, and and watching the NBA, watching European games. Can you think of one game that stands out the most being your favourite that you've you've witnessed or been to, um, whether it's the NBA or in Europe? Is there anyone that sticks out so for you? For the in NBA, particular? I'd have to go back to that game one with the Magic and the Pistons where McGrady went out for 45. Because, you know, when you're a kid, you always have superheroes, people you look up to. And T-Mac was that for me because, yeah. you know, for, I was probably the most spoiled kid in the United Kingdom at the age of 11. Sorry, my light's gone off again. No, back on. You know, I'd, I'd come home after school and just, you know, T-Mac was like, you know, I've never met the guy, but, you know, I feel like for him, just seeing him play for the Magic just used to make my days 10 times better. Whether we won or lost, to see him put up those numbers, it was like, it was fun. It's just fun to watch. And I think when you're a kid, that those are the those are the things that inspire you to play basketball and to love it. And for me, Tracy McGrady's that guy. In terms of commentating, it's got to be a team called Nimburg versus Ike Athens. And Ike, you know, in Europe, we had this thing before called the aggregate, which you have in football. They sometimes used to do it in basketball. I, I wasn't a big fan of it. I'm, I'm, they've changed it now in the basketball champs, so it's more of a playoff series, which is great. But Ike had lost the first game at home to Nimburg, this team from Czech Republic in the quarterfinals by like 10. So they had to go to the Czech Republic and win by more than 10 points. 
And Ike had this player called Manny Harris, who, you know, had played in the NBA for the Cavaliers, played briefly for the Lakers. And he just erupted for like 30-something points, just single-handedly took this game over. And I'm calling this game. And I think by the end of it, you know, I've lost my voice. But the very ending was, you know, completely, it, it was the craziest ending because Ike had to score a three-pointer to win the aggregate, which they did, from another player. And I remember at the end of the game, my voice is gone. I, I, I was dead at that point. And I, I'd messaged all my friends in Greece. And my, my, my typical trademark ending for a great play whenever I'm commentating the game is, is, oh, baby, oh, baby. And, you know, I, I had so many messages from friends in Greece who were Ike fans saying, oh, baby, oh, baby. So for me, it was just, it's a special. Yeah, you know, I got to tell you that international basketball, you really have to go to a game to really feel the atmosphere. You know, whether that is Greece or Serbia or Italy or France. Those fans are just phenomenal. And I think, you know, you get the best of different worlds, whether you're watching the NBA, whether you're watching international basketball. Those two games for me, those have to be the most memorable in my lifetime. Awesome. Sweet. And you've um, obviously been in the presence of greatness. You've seen the photograph with uh, a very young Josh Bett with a certain Michael Jordan. Um, can you tell us about that experience? And I do believe you have a Shaquille O'Neal story as well that you wanted to share. I've got... And then on top of that, I've got a quick 20-second Gary Payton and Brian Hill for you in the same day as well. So look, Amazing. this is the, um, the MJ story. It was 2006 in November, and i just come off playing as some... Well, I say come off playing. I sat the bench for the English national team at the European Championships, but I sat the bench with pride. Um, I get a message... Well, my dad gets a message saying that I was invited to the Jordan Classic in Brixton. And it was, I think, 15 or 20 years since he'd previously visited Brixton. And basically, it was just an all-day camp. And the best players at the camp got to play in the All-Star game. And, you know, by my luck, I got selected to play in the All-Star game, which is great. I, if I look back on it, probably I, there are other players that should have got selected. But, you know, you take what you get at the end of the day. And on my team was Ryan Richards, my old ex-national teammate, drafted by the Spurs in 2011. Kofi Josephs, who's a professional in the British Basketball League. And Levi Knoll, former Leicester Riders player. They said to us, that, you know, here are the all-star teams, one team versus the other. Team, uh, the player with the most points will be the MVP and will get to go to Michael Jordan's camp the following week in New York. So I'm thinking in my mind, there's no way I'm getting the MVP. Like, I'm the last guy on the bench. I'm like, I'm like Steve Kerr when he played for the Magic, you know? And <laughs> basically, the game went on. And you got to know, all the coaches at this camp are players that had either played for my dad or played against him. So I was quite known at the camp just through my old man. Steve Bucknell, ex-Lakers play. He was uh, friends of Michael. They both went to UNC. So my coach was a guy called Paul Douglas, former Birmingham Bullets player. And, you know, that game, I was completely just fatigued the whole day because it was a long camp. But I'd hit five three-pointers in that game. So I'm doing the math in my head like five threes. I've got 15 points. I think I'm top scorer. So I go to the bench and it's in the fourth corner. I say to Coach Dougie, like, Dougie, I think I've got most points. He's like, yeah, you do. And he says, I say, like, you know, do you think I'll get MVP? And he's like, yeah, maybe. And then this guy on my team called Ken Roy Wood, one of the greatest, greatest athletes I'd ever played with. I think he had something like 10 or 11, but he just comes down the fast break, wraps the ball back and dunks over two players. And I'm looking at his greatness courtside watching this moment. And I've never seen Michael Jordan look like this. Go. And Dougie looks at me right away shakes his head and I'm thinking, yeah, I'm not winning the MVP. Ken Roy won the MVP, but you know, that for me, it was well-deserved because 
for you to make the greatest player of all time go in awe and be like, wow, you, you definitely deserve that. So, oh, lights are out again. One sec. So, yeah, that was that was that story. The um, the Shaquille O'Neal story is a great one because it was the summer of 2014. My my fiance, who's my now wife now, we were walking around central London that day. I, we live just, just outside London. And we were in uh, Piccadilly Circuits. And I was on the side that has Dunkin' Donuts across from the Lily Whites where the underground stations. I mean, if you've ever been to Piccadilly Circus, it's like a, it's a huge square. And I just see this very tall person and I'm thinking like, oh, I recognize him. And it's right on the other side. And it takes me about five seconds, you know, my heart's stopping to realize that's Shaquille O'Neal. And I'm like, honey, that's Shaquille O'Neal. My wife's like, who? So I grab my wife by the hand. We run right across two roads, almost get hit by cars just so I could run up to the diesel. And, you know, he is just casually walking, taking pictures. And I just shout, Shaq Daddy, Shaq Daddy, what's up, what's up? I'm like, Shaq, please can I have a picture with you? And he looks at me and he says, just very calmly, very calmly, he's like, look, man, if I take a picture with you, everyone's going to want to start taking a picture. And I understood it. I was like, but I'm, you know, I'm in the presence of Shaq. I'm just like, I can't believe this. But the irony of this is, if you ever listened to Shaq's stories when he was a player, he made up that story when he was very young that how he hated David Robinson because David Robinson wouldn't sign him an autograph. But that was never true. So I, I look at that, I'm thinking like the irony, but it was never a true story. But funny part about it was after that, I was calling everybody I knew, all my friends, till final conversation, I'm on the phone with my dad. I'm like, Tano, I've seen Shaq. And we're walking through Regent's Park at this time. So this is about a good two hours after seeing him. And if you're ever in London, the tourists always like to go on those wagons that have a guy riding by a bicycle. So we're walking and my wife starts pulling my hand at like, you know, a lot harder. And I'm on the phone and she says, honey, honey, look, Shaquille O'Neal, I'm seeing him again two hours later in the back of one of those carriages and he's barely fitting in it. And he sees me and he's like, oh no, not this guy again. To this point, I'm like, Shaq, I will not take a picture with you, but I just want to say you should never have left the Orlando Magic. And that was that. Amazing, that's quality. Um, so I did ask uh, all of you, um, have you got a, a favorite piece of magic memorabilia that you'd like to share with everybody? I'll let Josh go first, otherwise, his light will go off again. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, when you say memorabilia, just mean like, like a picture or something, or yeah, or, or any, anything you want, mate, anything. I just say it's probably the summer of 99 where I'm at the Millfield basketball camp and they took a picture of me airballing a, a shot from probably five feet from the basket. But I've got my magic jersey on. And I'm trying to hit the rim on the second one. But that's, that's probably it. I mean, that was, I've looked around the house for that shot I jersey. I still can't find it. I may have lost it by now, but yeah, that's the, because uh, a lot of people question, am I a magic fan? I had to go back and find the pictures of it. So that's, a, that's probably my only memorabilia. Yeah, no, that's cool, man. That's cool. Boys, you want to share yours? with Josh before uh, we let him go yeah, yeah. Mike did you want to go first yeah go on, on okay. go on then right so Josh, mine, Josh I've got him mine is in the top of the frame here it's this picture it's uh, it's called 30 years of magic and uh, for the 30th anniversary it was uh, commissioned there were 2,500 made and given out to employees and uh, ex-members of the team and a friend of mine 
donated that, gave that to me. And that's my favourite piece of magic memorabilia. There's only 2,500 of them. Nice. Awesome. Mikey? Awesome. Well, Josh is going to appreciate this one. It's a authentic <laughs> stars white Tracy McGrady jersey, which I picked up on eBay for, I want to say, 100 quid. It no, it was dirt. more than that, mate. It wasn't much more. It wasn't much more. It was Genuinely. from the States, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 But uh, yeah, that's my uh, pride and joy. Quality. So mine then is a piece of, well, it's a framed um, piece of JJ Reddick's um, basketball net, one of 50 made. So from his first ever basket, so there's a ticket, some coin, and then a piece of the uh, the net from the uh, first basket he ever made. So, uh, yeah, very cool. very happy with that. Very happy with that. So, yeah, right, that was something a bit different, wasn't it? So, uh, well, thank you, Josh, um, for uh, for joining us. Yeah, thanks, yeah. mate. Hope you've had uh, a decent time. And, and we'll let you go back onto your date with your wife. Thank you very much, fellas. You've, you've kept me out of the doghouse now. I've, I've just made it in time. She's just arrived. So, look, man, thank you so much. I do watch a lot of your content. Um, Magic fans, we are few by the numbers here outside of the United States, but it's always good to meet Magic fans. So, uh, gentlemen, thank you so much. Keep doing what you're doing. I love the content you guys make. Right. Well, that was good. Josh's a great guest and uh, some cracking stories there. Um, but, guys, I know that we might have had a few extra bits of memorabilia you might want to share. So, um, do you want to show us some more, Mikey? So, I've got... This is for my last trip with Becky. I've got a sign program. So anybody that doesn't know this trick that goes to the, goes to Magic Games, if you want some some autographs and players, if you go outside of the Amway Arena, outside the Amway Centre, go around the back where the practice facility, there's big metal doors where the players drive out at the end of the night. And uh, my wife decided, because she's only about five foot four, she got stuck right in the middle of this crowd, right in the middle, so she could get some autographs. And she managed to get Nick Vucevic, got Terence Ross, Frank Vogel, and uh, Uncle Jeff Green, if you remember who he was. Um, but uh, And we were stood there, and Becky was having a chat with Frank Vogel because her daughter's picked up the English accent. And apparently they were watching some British TV sitcom or something or other and wanted to pick Becky's brains, and we hadn't even heard of it. But uh, we were having a having a chat with Frank Vogel for five ten minutes as he was driving out. So uh, yeah, so that's another bit of a memorabilia for you. There you go. Very nice. Good. Very nice. Paul. Well, I I didn't get my uh, program. There's the the program I've got from when we uh, were sat. We got moved courtside um, against de- the Detroit Pistons, and on this particular night. Couldn't believe our luck that we end up sat between, um, well, sat with Nick Anderson and Bo Outlaw talking magic basketball as as the game is unfolding. So they signed the program that my daughter had got. Um, so that's a nice piece. But the thing I'm going for is again just behind me, um, up on the wall there. It is a uh, pennant that's signed by the 2018, sorry, 20 yeah 2018 team. Um, the full squad that uh, I was given when I retired from the police, which was very nice. So that's that's there along with uh, the uh, picture for the 30th anniversary. They're, they're my things. There's also an Alfred Payton ball, which I think I've shown before. Yeah. Signed ball. Oh, there you go. Cool. 
That's cool. Well, yeah, that's for me, mate. Seen, Go on. Seen, What's yours? You've got signed stuff as well, so I'll get one of my signed items. So there's a bit of a story behind this. So basically, there's a bit of a glare. Right, there we go. Is that better? Right. So um, this is from 2014, 15, I think it was. There's an OMYF auction. Um, as you'll see, if, if you go to the Amway Centre and go around the concourse, have a little walk around, they've often yep. got jerseys and uh, signed balls, that sort of stuff, sometimes some posters. And um, I'd had a few beers, which is... Uh, not shocking, uh, is ne- it? That never happens, does it? <laughs> no, I know, I know. And it was literally like the last game but one before we were going back. And I took a shine to that ball. And um, so um, I, I managed to log in on my uh, on my phone using the Amway Centre um, Wi-Fi, put a bid in. Somebody else outbid me. I drunk some more, as I do. Put another bid in. Somebody outbid me. And then right at the death, I think it finishes the end of the third quarter. So there I go, boof, done. And I'm like, oh my God, what have I just done? $275. Yeah, no, it's lovely. It's lovely. But afterwards, I was a bit like, oh, I hope somebody outbids me. But um, <laughs> it didn't. And um, <laughs> it's a lot of money, isn't it? So um, oh, nice little piece man. of memorabilia. Mate. mate. It's all good. The old saying, they don't fit pockets in shrouds. Yeah. yeah. That's it. So, uh, no, Enjoy no, it whilst that, you've got take, it, mate. Nice to hear it. Yeah. Take pride of place um, in, in my office. So, anyway, like, right, let's move on. So, last week's predictions. Um, as we discussed earlier, the Magic went 0 and 4, uh, if we don't count the officiating. Um, Mikey and I both went 1 and 3, and Paul went no, we 2 didn't. and 2. I went two and two last week, but it didn't make any difference because we didn't win. Oh, I've got it all the wrong way around. Right, yeah, it was me who went one and three, mate. All right, okay. Well, anyway, we're all wrong. So um, Mikey and I remain on six and five, and Paul reminds five and six. So it's not much in it. So let's just have a quick look at the week ahead. So we're recording our next episode on Sunday, the 16th of January. And before then, we have five games. Uh, we are away to the Detroit Pistons. Uh, it's Saturday night at midnight. Uh, the Pistons are currently 7-30, and 30, uh, good for 14th in the East. Uh, Kelly Olinick, Jeremy Grant and Frank Jackson are out. Um, Isaiah Stewart and Corey Joseph cleared COVID protocols, as I was informed by my esteemed colleagues just before we started. <laughs> um, we, we then uh, play a second night of a back-to-back home against the Washington Wizards so that is Sunday in the UK uh, 11pm uh, they are good for 19 and 19 good for ninth in the East um, I've got to throw this in there Trent Water and Thomas Bryant are out so well, we drink up here in Nottingham <laughs> yeah <laughs> are out injured and Davis Bertans is listed as day to day so uh You'd never heard of that guy before, had we, Paul? We had a no, bit mate, of a chat no. about it. So, Trent, Trent Water, mate, that's uh, what we get out in the river for, for drinking around here. <laughs> awesome. Um, our next game after that is the Wizards again, uh, the traditional home and home. So, it's at Washington on Wednesday night at midnight, as mentioned, uh, 19 and 19, and then 19 in the East. Uh, we then play the Charlotte Hornets on Friday at midnight. They sit 20 and 19, good for eighth in the East. 
The only injury uh, they had was Vernon Carey, I believe he's the centre of Duke, he's out injured. And then the last one before our next uh, recording is we play the Dallas Mavericks uh, Saturday night or Sunday morning at 2.30am. They have a record of 20 and 18, good for fifth in the Western Conference. ESPN lists Doncic as day-to-day, but I don't believe that for a second. So other than that, they don't have any injury concerns. So predictions for the five games. Um, I'm not picking you, Paul. It just says here, I've got you first. So let's do the Paul first. Okay. Um, right. I think we can. I think we can w- beat the Pistons. Um, I also think we'll take one of the games against the Wizards. I don't see why we can't actually take two. That being said, um, who knows what team we're going to be able to field? I'm sure that we'll have some change in our injury status by the point that uh, we're playing one or two of these games. So I'm going to go two and three, beating the Pistons and the Wizards once. Nice. Mr. Clark? Well, I was really close to getting two and three. Um, so I was looking at the games. Well, the Pistons, Pistons have lost two straight, but they stuck up 100. Uh, sorry, they conceded they did. 140 against the Hornets and they got blown out yep. against the Grizzlies. But before that, they actually beat the Bucks by nine. Uh, yep, Sadiq Bay had 34. Josh Jackson had 24. So they got players that can put up points themselves. They'll fancy that this game as much as we do. But I'm going to say we're going to lose to the Pistons. Go on, Paul, you were going to say something there. I was going to ask you, though, do they actually want to beat us? I don't think either team necessarily wants to win. (laughs) The teams want to win. The people (laughs) above them might be a different story. But look, each both teams are going to fancy it, aren't they? So, yeah. um, But we played there in... It was right beginning of the season, wasn't it? I think it was October we played them and we had, I think we had a lead in the third quarter and then we we gave up a big run and yeah, lost 105, that game. 110 we lost, didn't we? Um, so, I'm, I'm going to say, yeah, I think so, something like that. So, I'm going to say we lose the Pistons. Uh, the Wizards, thing is, we, we played really well on the second night of a back-to-back against the Bulls. So, I don't see why we can't do that again. Um, they have got several players on the verge of coming back, but let's be honest, it's about bloody time we won a home game. <laughs> the last home way, home win was against the, the Nuggets back at the start of December. So I'm going to say we win the home game and I'm going to say we drop the second game because there's two days off between playing them home and away. Um, and, and we've always ex- said it's very difficult to beat a team two twice. nights running. Exactly. Um, so... I'm going to say we split the series one way or the other, but I'm going to say we win the home game. The Hornets are pretty much a full strength, the second in the league in points per game. Um, we can't afford to get into a shootout against a team that puts up the points like the Hornets do. Um, they are, we're going to have to be locked in if we're going to have a chance at beating Charlotte, but I think we'll fall short. And the Mavs, like we basically already said, that they're, they're pretty much going to be at full strength when uh, when we face them in just over a week's time. They are one of the lowest scoring teams in the league, but they are third best defensively. So it could be a bit of a slugfest, that Mavs game potentially, but we'll see. But I'm going to go one and four and we beat the Wizards at home this week. 
Okay, some good analysis. Rather than Mr. Jones. <laughs> right, uh, it's one or the other. I'm either going with one of you. Um, we're not going to not win any, and we're not going to win, you know, three. So I'm going to hope that the saviour is back and Markel returns at some point, um, which I think might get, give us a, a bit of a, a jolt. And um, When do you think he's going to come back? Well, hopefully he's cleared COVID protocols now within the next couple of days. So uh, the fact that, that, you know, Michael yeah. Mulder's been released from the two-way as well means, you know, maybe Etwan Moore's Betty, Michael Carter-Williams was listed as questionable a couple of days ago. Um, so I'm hopeful he's back sooner rather than later. How about you guys? Well, <sighs> toss a coin. Yeah. I mean, I was <laughs> looking looking at the schedule. So after the Mavs game, which is next, is it next Sunday? Off the top of my next head? Saturday, Saturday, next Saturday. 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 Nice Sunday morning. I think there's, I think it's the Blazers at home. I think it's Philly away. And then we've got a five-game homestand. I'm wondering whether that homestand is the type is the uh is when we might see him come back. I mean, that's just purely a guess, but if you're picking possible dates out in the schedule, you want to keep him home. But we've got some tough games in that stretch because I think we've got the Lakers, the Clippers, the Warriors, potentially. So I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? I just thought I'd ask. Do you, want to know, do you want to know the real reason I've gone for two and three? One of the two games I think we're going to win. Um, I think, I agree with Mikey, I think it's about time we win a home game. Um, the reason I've gone with beating the Pistons and beating the Wizards at home is because that's the back-to-back. We, we tip off midnight on Sunday and then 11pm on Sunday, I think it is, which are, and it's my birthday on the 9th, Sunday the 9th. <laughs> so I'm fine. <laughs> Pitching for a damn good birthday. <laughs> that's, that's the reason. <laughs> I should have really said the, the only birthday present. Yeah. Go on, Mike. I was going to say, my birthday's on the Wednesday, so we need to beat the Wizards on that date. So <laughs> there you go, mate. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So as for my prediction, I, I think we'll beat the Pistons. Uh, I've no doubt we'll beat the Pistons. Famous last words. Do we take one over the Wizards? Uh, Bradley Beal yeah sod it let's go with it two and three we'll beat Washington at home and we will beat Detroit there we go let's lock them in right so magic trivia time guys so oh dear back to the uh, usual format format of who's that player so let me number these we've got three of them I did three in case Josh was hanging around um so, do you want to do it together, or do you want to do do one let's each? Have, let's have one each, and then one, one together. each, and do one together. Okay, right then. I will go for Paul first. Okay, you are picking so, on me. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm just, <laughs> this one's in your timeline, so I, I'm being oh, kind. I'm being, I'm being kind. I, right. I, I prefer it when they aren't in my timeline. And I've got an excuse why I don't get them. <laughs> <laughs> Right, so this player played for the Magic, the Suns, the Pelicans, the Knicks, and then the Suns again. And if you want the year or a clue, I can give you something. I've got it. So when did he play? I've, I've already got it. 
Okay, if I told you he was drafted by Philadelphia as well, would that help? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, he yeah, played I'm, for the I'm, Magic between 14 and 2018. What's his teams, mate? I probably so should have listened the first time, but I've got to be honest, so, my attention so, sort of wandered. That's all right. The little monkey right. in, my, in my brain would get me a bit of symbols. Yeah. Oh, did anyone get one of them for Christmas? No? <laughs> I don't need one. No. It's just always there permanently. <laughs> no, we just need to bring it out for the, for the visual, don't we? <laughs> um, right, so he played for the Magic between 2014 and 2018. He played for the Suns in 2018. He played for the Pelicans in 2018. Uh, in 1819, he played for the New York Knicks between 19 and 21, and he currently plays for the Phoenix Suns. Paul's almost staring at the answer. He, I know, he's, he's right. <laughs> it's, it's, got to, it's got to be Alfred, hasn't it? Yeah. It's got to be Alfred. It is, it is. He's the only one I can think of that's played for New York, and I don't know why I have told you my brain's not engaged tonight <laughs> I'm pleased I've got oh, it good. but I'm... <laughs> oh well done right Mr Clark right this player played for Charlotte then Toronto Biz. then Orlando see I could have got that me, one straight away he didn't even let me finish so Charlotte oh. Toronto Orlando Charlotte and Phoenix because of yep. course he signed a 10-day contract. Yes. And you would be correct with Bismack Biombo. Somebody's been swatting up over Christmas. And um, right, and you combined one. <laughs> combined one, right. Um he played for the New Jersey Nets, the Orlando Magic, the New Orleans Hornets, the Houston Rockets, the Phoenix Suns, the Miami Heat. And then the Houston Rockets again. Go through them again, G. The Nets. The New, the New Jersey the Nets. Nets. Yeah. The Magic. The New Orleans Hornets. The Houston Rockets. The Phoenix Suns. The Miami Heat. The Houston Rockets. See, the player that I had in on my mind first mm. until you said uh, okay what well, team you said now one of the latter ones I had Ryan Anderson mm. on that list but it's not Ryan Anderson because he didn't play for teams. Miami he didn't play for Miami didn't he? did he not? is it Ryan Anderson? <laughs> is it Ryan Anderson? Oh, he's even got the answer up behind him again. I've done you again. <laughs> I put the answer behind me again. When did he play for the Heat? I don't remember that. He got he got traded um, to the Heat, um, and he he won the bench up for a little bit of time. So did he actually play a game? Yeah, 2019 season. I haven't got the stats in front of me because if I open up ESPN, it's just going to sh- put a video on, isn't it? So if you've got a computer up there, you you can um, hold on. Let's have a look. You, you can tell us. All right, you, but no, you do your, Ryan Anderson's the. You, uh, do your, you do your bit, and I'll tell you in a minute. Okay, so um, right, so thank you as always for listening and watching. Um, over sixty percent of the viewers on YouTube aren't subscribed to the channel, so if you could click that like 
and subscribe button. That would uh, be appreciated and help us. Uh, our next episode will be dropping on Monday, the 17th of January. Please visit our website, orlandomagicuk.com, for the latest news and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter, all at Orlando Magic UK. Um, so before I say farewell, yeah. Mikey's just going to tell us if Ryan Anderson games. did play. Ten Here games he played for the Heat. So there we go. It's a, it's a sad situation, isn't it? You shouldn't play for Miami. <laughs> so on that note... From Mikey, Paul and myself, until next time, go magic.